The following movie has been rated R by the Motion Picture Association of America. It is intended for mature audiences. Welcome to Off Script with Jason and Joel. And now, here are your hosts, two guys who have hands down the best accents in the world, Jason and Joel. It's true. Good day, governor. I don't know why I'm relegating it to our Australian, UK, and French. Because those are the only non-offensive accents. Heil! No, wait, that's wrong. I don't even know what the hell they're saying in Die Hard, but what? So I'm Joel. And that's Jason. So I said them out of order. Sorry. That's Jason. That's Jason. And I'm Joel. He's both of us. And we have no script. So apparently. So yes, we do. We're just off it. Yes. So welcome to off script with J and J. (laughs) And this is a show much like Seinfeld. That's about nothing. Uh And uh, usually we go into a little trailer talk, a little upcoming movie news, uh, you know, pretty much wherever it leads us. This is our this is our personal diary podcast <laughs> where we talk about whatever the hell we want to. So Jason, on that note, you got anything uh, going on? You've been you seen anything lately that tickles your fancy? And by your fancy, I mean your taint. <laughs> I got a new no. Um <laughs> it it's been a relatively slow uh week and a half uh, yeah. front. I agree. Um, my Netflix queue, you, know. you know, the last thing on my Netflix queue that was longer than like 20 minute episode of 30 Rock or Oddities. You want to know what it was? Dead Heat. <laughs> oh, yeah. Back from our Forgotten Flicks episode. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, gosh, let's see. I've on my Netflix queue. I watched um, uh, Destination Truth. A uh, uh, documentary called Ice Age Death Trap. Couple American Dads. Um, and, uh, let's see. Oh, I did watch, I did watch actually a movie. It was just a couple days ago. Barbarian queen. Now it was that the Academy Award winner from the year or was just not always <laughs> just nominated that year. Do they give Academy Awards based on the number of boobies? If, in a movie? if the Academy Awards, if the Academy was run by Joe Bob Briggs, yes, they would. <laughs> they would have the, the boob foo award. The boob foo, the boob foo, everything's foo, and yeah. it would get, <laughs> it would get, it would get seventeen <laughs> boob foos just to throw people off. Like, wait, why is there an odd number of boobs? I don't. Uh, know. Yeah, no, this was a. Um, it's new to Netflix, and uh, it's a um, Roger Corman produced film, uh, and uh, I saw it pop up, and it has one of those. And I don't know the name of the artist. It's a Russian artist. Boris something who did Yeltsin. that. No, no. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, it's I that, know. I know. And I, his name is escaping, but I know painting, the name. Is, yep. um, he did a lot of the fantasy, read. a lot of the fantasy art on the novels from. Yes. 70s yes. Especially and like, yeah. you know, um, voluptuous women with a dragon or some kind of cool fantasy. Uh, anyway, did, uh, did he do the vacation art or was that just meant to be reminiscent of remember national I, vacation? I you. Yeah. You remember how it had that look had that same. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. But it's the same anyway. So the the cover art was the same style, and I knew it was a Roger Corman production. So I thought, oh, you know, it's I, I want to watch something. It's late. I got an hour and a half. Why not? 
And uh, so I popped it on and, you know, it was typical bad. I don't want to say bad acting, but it was horrific act. <laughs> so, um, but it was, it was funny. It was, it was cheesy, funny. And then, uh, lots of nudity. I don't say nudity, but it's just boobs. Um, but lots of boobs and, uh, which depending uh, on what part of the world you're in now, uh, that's not really nudity. Not yeah, Right. And, um, it was, it was, uh, awful fight. Bo- scenes. Is it Boris Vallejo? Oh yes, that's right. It is Boris which, Vallejo. Which I can't understand how you would have not remembered the name that's Russian and apparently Latino, <laughs> <laughs> or at least sounds like it is. I actually remember his the art name. is amazing, though. Despite the yeah, it's cool. And and I actually, um, uh, my dad had a couple of his books. My dad's an artist, so he had a couple of his books, and he had one of his paintings that he kind of uh, replicated. Did he was- do the poster for Deathstalker? Remember that movie? I think yes. In, okay. Yes, he did. He also did. Uh, I think he did the original Conan. Okay. Yeah, the one the where, original Conan yes. poster is that the one where Schwarzenegger's kind of With coming sword. up. Yeah, up from yep. the bottom. It looks like he's breaking through almost yeah, from the bottom. Kind of, His head yeah, yeah. raised high. Yeah. Yep. So I think he did that one. But anyway, he, famous artist, and he. So anyway, the series that's up on Netflix has those. Uh, styled paintings. I don't even know if it's actually him, but it looks like it. Hmm. Um, but just just so you kind of understand this film a little bit, uh, the tagline for it is no man can touch her naked steel. <laughs> hmm. Shouldn't he be the one with the naked steel? <laughs> so uh, the idea is the queen of this little village is hmm. getting it's her wedding day. Her younger sister, an older teenager, girl, 19, 18, uh, is down collecting flowers by the river. Of course These she is. bad barbarians. As opposed uh, to the good ones. Yeah, because she's with the good ones, right? Uh, capture and rape her. Uh, oh, and then that's, that's, um, take that's her something. Slavery. And uh, then they come and burn her village. She's one of the only survivors. So she and a couple other warriors from her camp, all women, uh, seek vengeance on uh, these guys, and uh, yeah. So <laughs> nice. It stars Lana Clarkson, who's really the only kind of named person in this. She was in uh, Fast Times Ridgemont High. She was uh, played a bit part in Scarface. She was in Barbarian Queen Two: The Empress Strikes Back. <laughs> I just I wrote that down. <laughs> yeah, well, because you know you want to be able to watch that later. I got to be honest I, with you. <laughs> I I don't know. It's it's interesting because with horror movies in particular, you know, we always hear the stories of young minds seeing them and how it just corrupts them and, and right. turns them into deviants. <laughs> I had this weird opposite reaction because I remember seeing I Spit on Your Grave and Last House on the Left, and I was Ugh. way too young to see either film. Yeah, Last uh, House on the Left is... Uh, see, yeah, I Spit on Your Grave is, is I think, way more graphic Really? Yeah. yeah. And and I think it's it's last last house on the left to me. I get what Craven was attempting to do because I've seen he did. There's another film he didn't do it, but another film called Virgin Spring by Ingmar Bergman, which is this black and white 1950s Swedish film. It's very well made, very well crafted. It tells the t- folk tale uh, from the middle age. The I think it's supposed to be the Middle Ages of a young virgin girl who is the shepherds fall upon her 
uh, rape and murder her and then go to sleep at the home of the parents, not realizing it's the parents. The parents put two and two together. These guys killed their daughter and they enact vengeance. But there's this very strong, uh, almost religious allegory to it. And it's got all the symbols. It's, you know, it's Bergman. Yeah. Okay, it's Bergman. Yeah. <laughs> so Last House on the Left was Wes Craven, the former college professor you know, 1960s intellectuals version of that. <laughs> and, and so it's, it's a disturbing and twisted movie, but his intention was to make it because it, if you think about it up to that point, I mean, there have been a lot of exploitation films and uh, yeah. you know, things of that, things like that, but he was he, probably one of the first to make this horror movie where the intention was, I don't think his goal was to damage the people in the audience, but it was to make you feel, <laughs> it was to make you feel really, really bad for watching right. this movie. Like that was yeah. the intention of it. Um, and regardless, it's not my idea of a good time, but uh, between those two movies, cause there's lots of just graphic you know, rape and just it's, they're unpleasant yeah. movies. Yeah. 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 But, but to this day, that's like the one thing I can't. I'm not saying it's because of those movies. It could also be because I don't know. Rape is disgusting. Uh, I can't take it. Like yeah. you know, if it's insinuated, you know. But if it's graphically depicted in the same way, I just I, I'm not a fan of torture in movies. But if it fits the story and it's not just meant for almost its own, you know, titillation, it, it's just part of the story. I can, yeah. you know, I could take that, but yeah, for some reason, the the it, rape and just brutalizing kids, those are just, uh, yeah, I just can't take it. Yeah. I shut uh, down. I'd have to agree. I would say in this movie, it's not, it's more insinuated than anything. Yeah. They, so it's, yeah. it's not as disturbing as like last house on the left or, or spit on your grave, but, um, it's an, it's a, it's a quick element, but I can understand how. You know, a, a storyteller would use it as, especially as a strong emotional motivator. Mm -hmm. But see, that then begs that that, and this is I'm speaking totally philosophically here, not saying you know you have to answer it anything other than rhetorically. But does that beg the question then? What is worse, to show that act and have it be this really vile, horrible thing to witness, as it would be, or is it okay to have it be? insinuated and and almost done in a titillating fashion no pun intended uh, to where it, it doesn't get across it's it the same argument people make about violence in general in movies you know should you make it as ugly as possible because that's what it can be like or do you make well, it more for you know entertainment a la schwarzenegger movie i think it depends on how you paint it because i you know there's there's the entire gamut because you really have I think that there is the possibility, and I have seen films that use it to expose the very dark side of reality. Mm -hmm. And I think in those cases, and I'm not judging a filmmaker's, um, I'm not trying to say that none of them have uh, the ability to make a, a, a good statement or that all of them make, uh, you know, um, social statements. I'm saying there are films where I've seen, especially something as, as, uh, uh, graphic and violent as like a rape scene have used that to expose and and sort of drive that message home that this is a reality and that they're trying mm -hmm. to send you know talk about the elements that it happens and so and that's happened throughout the history of film it's been used as a medium to kind of expose some of these topics these especially some of these poignant social topics we've seen it in movies about war crimes we've seen it about movies about mental illness uh you know about um 
a whole number of things that they're ugly and disgusting, and we don't want to see them just because we like that thing, but they are something that, that kind of gets to a, a, a new part of your psyche. Now, that also being said, there are plenty of other movies that use it as a way, as just a shock value mm-hmm. to try and use it to gain attention. It's kind of like what we've talked about before, the idea that for some people, any press is good press, and even if it's bad uh, they want that because then that gets people to talk about them and m- maybe that helps mm-hmm. their brand, but, um, helps them, you know, get listeners or viewers or, uh, whatever. But I think that, you know, in, in some cases it can be obviously barbarian queen. That's not, I don't think the case, I don't know the director, but, uh, I think knowing a lot of Corman's films, it was more about the element of, um, you know, m- make it just enough. Mm-hmm without taking it over that line to make it kind of shocking, but not, I spit on your grave shocking. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, and and I'm not saying judgment on it one way or the other. I simply am, I find it an interesting idea. And, and, and just so we're clear, did not mean to go this deep on a damn movie called Barbarian Queen. I just wanted to talk about boobies. Yes, of course. At the end of the day, (laughs) I know what matters to you, Jason. So, no, it's yeah. Um, I'll never see it, so that's great. Uh, no, and it's fascinating. <laughs> and you know, I wanted to, I, to to carry this out just one last step here. The thing that I've always found fascinating, and you know, you're a family man. I'm a family man, and we have lots of friends who are you know parents, and and uh, so we're we're kind of embroiled in that world. I find it utterly fascinating in general. I'm not talking about this movie or the topic of rape or any of that, but I find it utterly fascinating that in general, in films, it's perfectly acceptable. And in our society for of pretty much the entire gamut of violence to be okay, Mm -hmm. but any form of sexuality addressed in a nonviolent way. Yes. Yes. Any form of sexuality addressed in a movie tends to be more taboo than visceral, violent, gory, mm-hmm. uh, murder, maiming death scenes. That is more okay. And, uh, they, oh, that's fine. Versus showing breasts on mm-hmm. the screen. Mm-hmm. You know, that's, that's always fascinating to me. It's, it's amazing that, and that, you know, getting into behavioral science and anthropology and everything, which is amazing. But anyway, which, which you know nothing about. So I don't know anything about it. <laughs> <laughs> it well, and I think that, that is, I won't say it's unique to America, to America, and I should say United States of, because, you know, the people uh, in Canada and uh, in South America get kind of annoyed, apparently. We, <laughs> right. Just right. say we own all of the Americas. <laughs> you know we do. Uh, it, it's, I think, only unique in that we imported and exported at such an amazingly uh, high level because there's there's obviously other countries and cultures that that would be the case as well. But, well, but I, there's plenty of yeah, and there's but there's plenty of other countries that have sort of the, that odd juxtaposition of taboos. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like for example, in you know in Japan, a lot of TV shows showing scantily clad women or even breasts at times is not necessarily taboo. But anything to do with the pubic region is absolutely taboo. So it's kind of that. It's just a different path that they've gone down as a society, and it's one of those cultural things that it's kind of an oddity. And I think that for us, um, as a country, the, the violence piece is sort of a 
it's sort of a byproduct of some of the things that we've had to do as a country to begin to accept, like when we went, uh, you know, going through World War II and, and getting everybody excited about becoming soldiers and getting everybody excited about fighting for freedom. Well, that meant we also had to, to some extent, glorify violence and glorify mm-hmm. war. Well, and 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 actually have a open and intentional propaganda. Absolutely. Organization. Absolutely. So yeah. that. So we, you know, we kind of have to suffer the byproduct of that to some extent. So mm-hmm. it's it's all very it's amazing, and I think that uh, film tends to be sort of that exponential magnifying glass to some of the extremes of what you know our culture holds. And I guess it's part of what I love about movies is it's a reflection of who we are. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So yeah, that's a good point. Wow, we got heady. Yeah, I think the show's <laughs> over now. Okay, so speaking of posters, not that you were recently. <laughs> yes, I was. I was. And by the way, Boris Vallejo, I, I looked it up while you were talking, and uh, he did do the, the Conan, and he did do Deathstalker. Uh, Barbarian Queen. It did what? Barbarian Queen. What about what about Deathstalker? And Deathstalker. And, and um, uh, uh, Conan the Barbarian. So. And European Vacation? We're in Vacation? Oh, I didn't see that one. Okay, uh, never mind. If you come across it, let me know. It just has a similar style. That's why. I'm yeah. sure that was no. intentional. So, so speaking of posters. Yes. Did you see a trailer recently that maybe related to them in some way, shape, or form? I did. What did you think? Uh, so this is the one that you said was um, Drew, the man behind the posters? Yes. Uh, and it's about the, and I didn't catch the guy's name in the trailer, but it's about the guy that did some yes. of probably the most iconic movie poster art in American history. Yes, his name is Drew, I think it's Struzan. Okay. S-T-R-U-Z-A-N. Yes, he is single-handedly responsible for some of the most iconic poster imagery of the last 35, 40 years. Easy. Mm. Just, it's amazing. When you consider the images this guy has painted, because what's what's still amazing about him, and it was one of the few things I I actually loved about the prequels, were their posters, because he did those. He does everything. We still, about Star Wars prequels. Yes, I do. I have to say the SW part. I think just by saying prequels, people know what the hell I'm referring to. Uh, <laughs> was I mean? I know there's never been another prequel to another movie ever, and those are the only ones that have ever existed. I gotcha. Yeah. So, but he did those as well. And as they touch upon briefly in the trailer to Drew, the man behind the poster. Don't really love the title, but whatever, we'll let it slide. Yeah, I don't really like. It's, kind, the title it's not. It, you you would think. I like that his name is Drew, obviously, for the obvious yeah, play right, on the words. Artistic, yeah. But it seems Fun. to me, you know, like, you know, the you know, the man who I don't know, who drew legends or the the man who drew icon I don't know, something about where you use his name Drew and Legend. Yeah, the yeah, man who drew yeah, legends yeah, or something. Yeah, yeah. You know I gotcha. Something like that, right? Something about the, you know, something referencing the icon yeah, you know, the iconography or the whimsy yeah. or something. Yep. So, in the trailer, they touch upon the fact that he does not use a computer. Everything is hand. He does everything by hand. He paints. It he is draw- actual paint yeah. and mm-hmm. brush, and yeah, yeah. And he uses different multimedia, I believe. Yep. Uh, but it's all, you know, it's not it's, it's not digital. There's no ones and zeros. <laughs> and to me, it freaking shows because if you look at most recent, yeah, I mean, he's done posters since then, but those prequel posters compared to anything else that was coming out at that time where there are Photoshop jobs, which I use Photoshop. I'm not knocking Photoshop. I like Photoshop. No, 
But gotcha. there's a certain look and feel movie posters have had over the last 15, 20 years easy with the majority of them. They're lazy. I, I'm not saying they're easy, but I am saying that artistically they're they've gotten lazy because oh yeah you can there's plenty of um you know there's there's buzzfeed articles and i've seen other lists that list movies that have almost the exact same poster layout like three or four oh, movies yeah. oh yeah like almost identical like, well speaking of identical have you you remember the movie identity it was like the hand and then you could see it was like underneath the hand you could make out uh, certain some image related to the movie and said identity and it, yeah, yeah. it, it looks the hand print is bleeding yeah, like and, I, like a a hand a palm print or I, a hand I, print. just just randomly on netflix i'll find two and three other straight to video type movies that have the exact same look now you can make <laughs> yeah. because they're straight to video and they're ripping off identity sure but there's plenty examples in mainstream yeah. big budgeted movies where they do things related to their stars say and the way they position them on in the poster and it's just it's 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 not lazy in the sense it's still hard to make a poster no doubt especially when that doesn't look like complete crap but i think it's artistically lazy they don't either that or they just lack artists capable of even coming close to what this guy did no i agree i agree and i think some of i mean because the original star wars poster that he did Mm -hmm. is still one of my favorite movie posters of all time because even i mean if you look at it um the you know luke and leia are on the cover it they don't really look like mark hamill and 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 um Carrie, uh, Fisher. Carrie Fisher, and uh, they don't really look like them. He's got these weird kind of boots on. C three PO and R two D two are in the background. They look slightly different. Uh, the the X wings. There's like a whole squadron in the yeah. back. None of that stuff is just a screenshot from the film. Mm-hmm. This is all imagined. Um, uh, it's almost like a different layer to the movie. It's yeah. almost like this is stuff that never happened. It's kind of like when we talked about trailers mm-hmm. and and the trailers that are just basically telling the entire story versus ones that give you something completely unique or, or a different spin. This is almost like a different layer to the movie. And I think it was, I don't remember, in the trailer for this, for Drew, the man behind the posters, someone says, and it might have been Lucas or it might have been um, – uh, Harrison Ford, I can't remember. They said, this is the first beat. This is the beginning of storytelling. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The movie poster is. It's the beginning that's of the storytelling. That, that was a great way to put it. I don't remember who if it was. It wasn't. Remember who said it. I have to go back maybe and watch it. Maybe it was Spielberg? It was somebody like that. It them. might have been. Yeah. He, Spielberg's the one that said, now you have to live up, up to, to the what this guy's to live up to Exactly. Part. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I mean, just looking at that original Star Wars poster, it's so unique but it's so gripping and the, the artwork is fantastic. But this guy has done some incredible, incredible stuff. He did all Harry Potter stuff. He did all the back to the future. He did Indiana Jones, star Wars, the mist. I mean, he's just, he's done so many of the biggest movies of our age. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, it's police Academy. I mean, yeah. The, come on. Well, and what I, <laughs> what I love is, and, and again, we all have the trailer to go by. And this is and just for anybody that doesn't know, this is actually a documentary. I don't think we mentioned that this is a documentary yes, yeah, based it's not a on this artist that does all these iconic movie posters. And when he was going through and they were showing just so many that he's done and he talks about, he figures out the tone and he, and he figures out so like the emotions, yeah, like, yeah. Like what emotions are going to be in it? Yeah. Now, what I think is interesting because Spielberg made about you know made the comment about his movie having to live up to what this guy 
has done. Well, I would presume he typically is brought in after the movie's created. <laughs> I don't tip now. And, and sometimes they do have artists come in like Ralph McQuarrie did for you know Star Wars long ago, where he would come in and do some uh, pre-production artwork to get investors or a studio excited about oh, the yeah. project. Yeah, yeah. But more often than not, they're going to do it after the movie's made. So the only counter I would have to Spielberg's point is a little too late, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Well, maybe be, his point was he hopes the movie. Yeah, lives that may up. have been a bit. And who knows? And then, of course, in a trailer, taking it completely out of context, it's not really fair yeah. to him. But uh, yeah, uh, it's definitely something that. Oh, you know what it was? Wasn't it uh, Michael J. Fox? Because remember that he did Back to uh, the Future. Yep, he was the one that said it's the start of the movie. The yes, start of yeah, the that story. First beat. The first beat. Uh, yeah, and and, right. and and it was it's such a. Which speaking of which, ready? This is called off script for a reason, folks. Have you? That's what I wanted to talk to you about. Now I got something. Have you seen the trailer for his new show? Uh, no. Do you know what? Did you know he had a new show? I did know he had a new show. Yep. Okay. It's called. The, I, uh, it's called in a very creative twist, the Michael J. Fox show. Really? I I, I would it, have never just from that title. It's like you, you wouldn't know no. what it's about or who's in it. So, what <laughs> I loved though, he's playing himself obviously to a degree. Yep. Instead of being this actor slash former child star. He is playing it as if he had been this newsman, this this yep. inter, this nationally famous news anchor, and he got Parkinson's. Yeah, I read. A, I did read a story about it, and and I heard a little it interview looks with him. Good man, I was like, it, it uh, was it, because they're making fun of the disease, but not making fun of him having it or making fun of people who would have it. it yeah. It's like it's a way to. And I, and I told my wife after I was like, and the brilliance of this is, if you want to bring awareness to a cause, that's how you do it. Yeah. You know, you 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 make not making light of it in the sense that you downplay the severity of it. But if you could let people know it's okay, it's okay to talk about yeah. it, it's okay to to laugh at some of the things. But some of the it jokes takes some that, of the mystique out of yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And the shame yep. that people might feel of oh, yep. oh, we don't, we don't want to talk. No. He's saying, "No, let's talk about it." And and some of the jokes are freaking hol- I mean, I was laughing out loud at this trailer. And one of the best parts is because within the context of the the show, his former boss at the news station—I can't remember the actor's name. Oh man, his name is escaping me. I've seen him in quite a few things, and his name just escaping me. Doesn't matter. Yeah, Wendell is coming to mind, but I don't know if that's right. Um, anyway, he says to him something about coming back, and they cut to Michael J. Fox saying, "You know what they're going to do? They're going to play this, you know." You know, sappy you know, music and everything will be in slow motion and then it's them standing in Times Square and he is like oh come on he looks up at like one of these big Arbitron you know huge billboard <laughs> video billboards and it's exactly what's happening and then they, and then within the context of the trailer they cut into it and you hear the voice like you know he's back Michael J. F- <laughs> It, it was funny. Um, uh-huh. And then there's one part where they're at the dinner table and he's trying to, I can't remember if he's trying to get something off the plate or somebody's or trying to lift a plate and hand it to somebody and he's he's really struggling with it. And I, I guess it's supposed to be, I'm thinking it's his wife, but she looks kind of like she could be his older daughter. I don't know. I didn't quite get that. I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't clear on that in the in the trailer. Uh, so... But she she makes a comment. She goes, "Okay, can you something like can you save your 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 you know personal triumph for later? I'm starving." And like she snatches it out of it, and it's <laughs> it's mean in a way. But at the same time, I bet you when that's your family and yeah. and it becomes the yeah. norm, that's exactly what they would do. Okay, yeah, yeah, that's great, Dad. Okay, well, you can have your personal triumph later. I'm gonna th- thank you, you know. <laughs> but nice. it was it was actually I was you know, but not to digress, but I did. 
right. Uh, <laughs> it, it, I'm I'm relatively excited for the Michael J. Fox show. I'm mainly just happy to see him because I freaking love him. So he's great. I mean, I loved him uh, obviously in Back to the Future, but even he in was his, in Back to uh, the Future. Uh, yeah, I, I think he played one of the Biff? kids. Was he Biff? Uh, no. Okay. Um, but I loved him on TV. I mean, he, he was good. He was great in everything he did. He was just a funny, genuine, uh, uh, cool guy. And I think he's got great comedic timing. And even just the interviews I've seen with him, he's hilarious. And Mm -hmm. so it's kind of like, okay, it's one of those people that you recognize. It's not hard for him. He's just the kind of that way, you know? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So yeah, yeah, I, I, I'd like to catch it. I'd like to catch it. Yeah, yeah, it looks really good. So, anyway, so Drew, the man behind the poster, documentary coming out soon. Check it out. Good. Sounds good. All right, I had one I wanted to talk about. Okay. So, this is my top pick. If I don't get to any other trailers, uh, this is one that I caught this week that um, uh, uh, looked good to me. And then I, you know, I kind of saw the trailer. I'm like, oh, okay. And then the further you get into the trailer, you're just like, holy crap. Mm-hmm. So, um, the one I want to talk about is Out of the Furnace. Yes, the Christian Bale. Yes. Now, I sent this to you. Had you seen it before? Yes, I had actually seen it probably right before we recorded our last podcast, but for some reason at the time, I didn't know that. Like a week or so ago? Okay. Yeah, it was, and I don't, it was before our last Oscar, because I I remember thinking, I don't even know if you'd be that into it, (laughs) so I didn't know if I wanted to bother bringing it up. But obviously, I was mistaken. Yeah, that's all right. Um, it, it's it's basically, I mean, go watch the trailer. It's Out of the Furnace. It's uh, Christian Bale, uh, Zoe Saldana, who played uh, Uhura in um, Star Trek, the two new Star Treks. The yeah, she's ugly. Uh, she's just, she's a hag. Um, but, okay, you know they're in it. We're play- <laughs> She's a hot hotness. Uhura, that's- Uhura, Uhura. It's Uhura, right? Zoe Uhura, yeah. Yeah, Uhura. Uhura. That's kind of hard to say. Uh-huh. And so it's very hard to say. Uh-huh. It's even harder to say it more than once. Okay, so as the trailer unfolds, you know, mm-hmm. it's this it's this guy, uh, working class Joe in a, in a factory town, and it's kind of the troubles he's dealing with. And it looks like, what I can tell, is like the story of his brother getting into trouble with like local gangster kind of thing and him trying to help. I don't want to say just like, what was that movie with The Rock that you liked, Snitch? Yes, I don't, I don't want to say just like that because there's no, you know, uh, Mexican cartel involved, but mm-hmm. it's that sort of good guy getting wrapped up in a bad situation because mm-hmm. he's taking care of his family. So you start watching the trailer like, oh, Christian Bale, I, I, I love him. He's great. Oh, oh, my God. His wife is Zoe Saldin. Okay. All right. Wait. Oh, my God. Forrest Whitaker is in this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Woody Harrelson? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That's Willem Dafoe. Okay, I think I'm uh, Casey Affleck. Okay, no Academy Award there, but still. Well, yeah, but he's, he's just a matter of he's time. He's a damn man. good actor. Yeah, he's a fantastic actor. So the list of names in this and just some of the people that are in it are, it, it, it's one of those that just from the people who are in it and the clips you see of them acting, I I think I got to watch this just just to see some of the performances of some of the folks that are in this. Um, it, it looks really good. I love Willem Dafoe. I love Woody Harrelson. Mm-hmm. I really love some of the things he's done. So, and Forrest Whitaker is, I think he's one of the best actors of our age. Have you seen the last King of Scotland? No. And I believe you've asked me that before. Yeah. I, that's, I have not. I'm familiar with it, but I have not seen it. It's, it's a, uh, I want to say, is that, the sequ- wait, no, is that the sequel to Braveheart? 
Uh, yes, the, uh, that's the his, last that's, king of Scotland, uh, Braveheart too. Yes, that's his brother takes over Brave, Scotland. Braveharder. Yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. That's ex- <laughs> <laughs> got it. Uh, yeah, no, um, <laughs> <laughs> no, um, it's but it's um, it's not depressing from that like watching uh, precious depressing. Oh God, but no. <laughs> It doesn't. It doesn't make you want to go out and like slit your wrist, but it, it definitely has some dark points because in that one, in uh, Last King of Scotland, um, uh, uh, Forrest Whitaker plays Idi Amin, and uh, you know, terrible dictator in Africa, and he just used to in Uganda, terrible place, and lots of atrocities, and so that the movie has that tone to it. But it's if you watch it for the for the amazing acting and the stuff that happens. It's just incredible. So anyway, uh, this movie has some pretty big names. I'm sure most probably 80% of the budget in this film was, uh, actor pay, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. it, like they've scored some, a pretty amazing, um, pretty amazing list of people. So, well, you know what I'm happy about that you decided to bring this one up and not 47 Ronin. That, <laughs> wait, that's my other one. <laughs> oh, I thought you, oh, cause you made a comment about, you had one more and then you just said this one. So I figured, Oh, is he going to skip 47 Ronin? You, you don't, you don't, you don't like Keanu Reeves. Nothing to do with Keanu. <laughs> I didn't have quite the same. I'm re- interested. Re- well, I didn't have the same reaction. Oh. I did to say seventh son, seventh son of the seventh son of the seventh oh, son yeah. of the seventh just, son. Was like, oh, that one's going to suck. Yeah. Well, this one though, you know, when it lost me, well, first off, I was disappointed because I'd heard about that he had, you know, was making this movie. I thought it was going to be more reality based. So the second, oh, I see, stuff yeah. got a little weird. I was like, what? So then I thought, okay, well, yeah. it'd be kind of almost like a magical realism thing where it's there, but it's subtle. And then okay, all of so a sudden, I, she no, turned wait, wait. into that damn CGI dragon that looked like it was straight up out of a 1994 video game. Yeah. And I was done. I was like, okay, um, and scene. I got excited about 47 Ronin for two reasons. One, uh, it's the I like Eastern the Eastern version of like, 300. <laughs> I like the idea of a white gringo playing, uh, it's called the this. last samurai dude. Exactly. <laughs> or even better. What was that uh, mini series with, uh, oh, the, oh, mini- Kung Fu? the last uh, Shogun new Kung Fu. Oh, you no, think? Oh, yeah. Okay. Cause David Carradine. <laughs> not David Carradine. No, no. Yeah. Shogun. The oh one yeah. With, yeah. Uh, Richard Chamberlain. Chamberlain. And, uh, you know, I love that miniseries. I remember watching it with my dad like twice when I was a kid, but you were a weird kid. <laughs> I remember that book made an excellent door stopper <laughs> and, 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 and it would kill a sewer rat faster than the phone book. <laughs> it probably would. It was a thick, thick book. Um, but, uh, no, but I love the idea of, you know, kind of the, the white, uh, um, of course you do foreigner playing that. Mm. Yeah, of course. As a teenager, it was like, hell yeah. You do realize, you do realize, wait, no, you, you do realize like how racist that whole setup sounded. Right? Yeah, I, I, I love this idea of this white, of this white <laughs> guy coming in. It's like, you know, cause he knows how everything Same should part. be. And it's like, he's, oh, he's, the, he's, he's like the civilized one. <laughs> I mean, it's like if it wasn't for I'm just saying how it was coming across, Uh, and and like, and and like, oh, you know, he goes into like Japan, and they're all. I gotta be honest, they're really like barbarians, (laughs) savages, really. And then like the civilized guys, the ways, yeah, the ways of civilization. (laughs) 
<laughs> no, no, really. Uh, what I like is the ignorant, stupid, uh, mean, white imperialist who comes in thinking he's going to teach everybody yeah, something. Yeah, you know, you can't fix this now. Learns, you can't fix this now by name calling. It's not going to work. Listen to me. He actually kind of grows as a character uh, because of what he's taught. See, just I was disappointed because like I, thought, I thought you were going to say, I thought you were going to say, you wanted the stupid, uh, kind of crazy Larry the Cable Guy kind of guy. Uh, no. That <laughs> would be awesome. No, but what excited me about this... Get her done! <laughs> Cook that fish, damn it! <laughs> no, no. What mater, like tuh, mater, without the tuh? God, I've seen that movie about eight times this week. Nothing many. else. Yep. Yeah. Um, no, the, it, it's actually a remake of, an, of a movie from 1941 called The 47 Ronin. Um, oh, so that no. was called the 47 Ronin, and yes. this is 47. So they it's very so, similar. But they dropped the article. Yeah, probably. Um, for legal reasons, I'm sure. Yeah, I'm sure. Uh, you've seen um, uh, Seven Samurai, right? Oh, yes, I have. Hira Kurosawa, beautiful yep. film, fantastic. I love, it's one of my favorite movies of all time. It totally but rips that, off The Magnificent Seven, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, just like uh, uh, Kurosawa ripped off Star Wars too. Yeah, um, yeah, with yeah, Hidden totally, Fortress. Totally, I, I told him, like, come on, man, son of a. Um, but I love that. I love the Seven Samurai and uh, and uh, the Fortress of Ronin. That concept of the very few dedicated versus the the army of mindless, you know, uh, evil. That's kind of a cool concept, except when they try it in, in uh, Assault on Precinct 13, because then it just sucks. But the yeah. rest of the time, it's good. And, and the uh, reason why we love you, Jason, is when you <laughs> when you inject that insightful, intellectually deep cinematic analysis. So, it just sucks. I was hoping that Keanu Reeves would just play a straight up, I mean, not play i guess i was hoping the movie would be just about him being yeah i was hoping for more realistic but then when it yeah but then when it got into the fantasy stuff the part that killed it for me wasn't necessarily the dragon it was the part when he's fighting that giant yeah what was that thing was like a cyclops yeah but it was like a cgi but see that didn't bother me nearly as much that didn't look as bad to me as the dragon did the dragon looked bad that dragon looked like it was straight up out of double dragon it was bad yeah it was rough. So no, forty-seven runner wasn't one I was, you know, over the moon excited about. It was it was out of the furnace, but uh, I wanted you to see forty-seven runner mainly because it connects back to more of those uh, classical nineteen forties Japanese samurai films. Minus the bad CGI. Minus the bad CGI. <laughs> well, speaking of casts that make your mouth water, did you happen to watch the trailer for uh, the Monuments Men or just Monuments Men? Monuments Men. Yeah, that that's another one that going to it cold. And you start watching, and they start plugging in all the people that are in it. It's like, yeah. holy crap! Yeah. Well, and you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and George Clooney wrote and directed it. So, did he really? Yep. Wow. Well, he's he's in it. Yep. Uh, he's one of the main characters in it, and um, Matt Damon. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, let me see. I'm just pulling this out of memory. John Goodman was in it. Yes. Ever seen John Goodman? The great John Goodman. Um. Uh. Gosh. You're missing somebody. Bill Murray. Yep, Bill Murray. That was the one I was I'm surprised you didn't do right out the gate. Yep. Yep. So Kate Blanchett. Yeah, that's good. Kate Blanchett's in it. 
Oh, wow. And yeah. uh, Bob uh, Balaban, who mm-hmm. is the, the guy who makes in the trailer, he said, so we get to kill some Nazis. He's a little nebbishy <laughs> looking guy with the glasses. And yes. he is probably amongst most film goers at this point, most well known for being in a lot of the Christopher Guest um, mockumentaries like Waiting for Guffman, yeah. Best in Show and movies like that. He, he's yeah. a very funny comedic actor. He also, just so you know, directed Parents. <laughs> Did he really? Yes. <laughs> yep. Uh, we're going to have to talk about that one later. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. Wow. Yeah, this looks great. This looks great. Yeah, and, and the, the premise is George Clooney and Matt Damon are leading this very small group of men who are going in behind the lines in World War II uh, in, the, in the European theater to mm-hmm. protect art, monuments, and, and different things. It seems like as much from the Americans as they are from the Nazis, because yeah. the, the idea is they're trying to keep uh, our side from blowing it all up in our efforts to stop the Nazis, and then get it from the Nazis before they can destroy it. And uh, presumably it's all, I'm assuming it's all Jewish art, and just from the gist of, of what he talked about, it, Trailer, you know, wipe, yeah. wipe off, wipe out a generation's um, culture and art. It's as if they didn't exist. So, it, it, but it's it's dark, serious material. But it seems funny, and it seems yeah, it seems like a kind of a comedy drama. Yeah, yeah. yeah it seems yep. like it has a good balance of all that, and uh, it it uh, it's cool. I mean, it's kind of you know, it's funny to me. I get that Matt Damon. I mean, what is he probably pushing fifty now? How old is he? Oh gosh, is he fifty? He's no, I didn't say he's fifty. He's pushing it. I think he's in his mid forties at least. Um, he was born well, yeah, no, he's born nineteen seventy. So he's a little, uh, he's a little younger 40s. than you. He's a little <laughs> younger than you. Um, but so mid forties, yeah. But the the comedy seems like at least the 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 biggest bit in this is that these this group of eight guys or seven guys, whatever, are like art historians, architects, mm-hmm. you know, that kind of thing, and they're all older, mm-hmm. like. Obviously, um, um, uh, Bill Murray and John Goodman, you know, they, they kind of played in George Clooney. They kind of play these slightly over the hill guys who are trying to be in the army because mm-hmm. he's like, you're going to go through training. And Matt Damon's like, basic training. <laughs> That'll be fun. <laughs> yeah. You know? So and, and I'm assuming they added some gray to his temples. Now, George Clooney is looking ever more the dapper, uh, dashing. Older leading man like you know he just oh, yeah. he's the best looking guy in his 50s probably ever yeah yeah and so uh, even with the white gray oh, beard no, I think it just helps you know. dude i'm sorry yeah, exactly that, i mean you know so <laughs> yeah. I, mean, I don't know how a guy can go from being this ridiculously good looking leading man type when he's younger to like somehow better with age but he's managing to pull it off yeah without like effing himself up with any kind of surgery and then matt damon to me, though, and I get that he's supposed to be playing his age, probably, because a guy in his 40s wouldn't have been yeah. an enlisted man. No, no, he wouldn't have been top of his game but for that. Is, yep. does he, doesn't he look really young to you? Like, when he's... There's something about him. He just... He has such a boyish look to him. Yeah, I think that's just kind of his look. I know, I know it not, is, but I just he just... Yeah. He, he looks so young to me. Like, I, I mean, I'd almost buy him, you know, maybe with a little... Uh, grecian formula or something in his hair he you know he could probably pass for a guy in his late 20s i mean he just doesn't look oh, yeah no doubt i would think that they would have to really make him up 
to make him look aged because yeah. I think naturally he just looks, he's kind of has that young look. It's sort of like most of Leonardo DiCaprio's roles. Yeah. Um, I almost think that like with Leo, they, they really have to work hard to make him kind of wrinkled and old looking because then you go right back to like um, the great Gatsby and he looks boyish young young again, and you dapper. Know? Yeah. Yeah. They, if they, but if they give him a little grizzled look, a little beard, a little bit of gray, he does mm-hmm. look younger, but yeah, Matt Damon's one of those guys that looks perpetually young. I would think it probably exacerbates the situation in this movie just because he's surrounded by guys that are in mm-hmm. their 50s and 60s. Uh, and and uh, gosh, how old is Bill Murray? He's got to be. Oh, man. How old is he? I don't even know. Uh, 60. He's got to be mid 60s, right? Hold on. I'm trying to find out. I think he's a couple years. Yeah, he's got to be mid 60s. Oh, he's born in 1960. Bill Murray? Mm hmm. 1950. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, don't have my contacts in it. It's kind of far away. <laughs> yes. So is it yeah. 60 or 50? Yeah, 1950. Yeah, 1960. Oh, okay. I was like, wait a minute. I was trying to, I was like, wait a minute. That would make him only, yeah. <laughs> 53. Yeah, no, yeah, he's, he's uh, like 63, 64. 63, right. So, yeah. Uh, but, uh, but anyway, it probably makes it worse for Matt, not worse, but it makes Matt Damon look even younger being around a, a, a crew of, of older guys like that, you know? So, yeah. but this one looks good. This yeah. is a, kind of like the, uh, out of the furnace. This looks like one of those that, all right, I'd see it just because some of the names that are in it. Mm-hmm. So this brings up a question real quick and I don't have much time left, but <sighs> taking into account out of the furnace mm-hmm. and monuments, men, We've talked in the past about how we think that current day, and this is a deep topic, so I don't want to go that deep into it. There aren't really any people left who are a draw to a film by themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think some of these guys are the last of those? And I mean that nope. in that they don't really star in films as much themselves. Well, they do. Like Matt Damon just had Elysium come out, but that and that one did. I mean, okay, like, but it didn't do that great. Yeah, but I mean more like you know your Bill Murray's and John Goodman's and no, I do. I think that Bill Murray Woody Harrelson. They, and, and they, well, Bill Murray has been, but it's mostly been a lot of independent. Yeah, um, yeah. Off, I mean, Woody Harrelson was radar. The, Woody Harrelson's done the uh, the um, Hunger Games, you know. Yeah, stuff. but he did. But he's not the draw for that. Was, well, first yeah. off, I would argue Hunger. Nobody was the draw for that. The Hunger Games was the draw for that. No, right? Yeah, the book and the story. Yeah, yeah. maybe Forrest Whitaker. I would say because. The butler, I'd go yep. just because he's in it. You would, and there's probably a small contingent. I think he's a great actor. That's not why that movie did well. Yeah, no, I, I understand. What that. I'm saying is, is that you have to be able to, and it, it's hard because you know how do you qu- always quantitatively, uh, rather qualitatively, no quantitative. I was right the first time. How do you quantitatively prove that a particular actor, yeah. other than surveying no. everybody who comes out of the movie, you know? But, but I think or, what is that? Or if every movie that they put out draws that 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 you can start to draw that conclusion but then likewise when they start to put out a series of movies that bomb yeah that takes away from their capital i think well it does it does but the question becomes are they the cause yeah or is it just is it just you know is a core is a cause or correlation i think you know it's maybe there might be a correlation there but for instance tom cruise does mission (sighs) impossible Uh, okay It's right. a huge, huge hit. Tom Cruise does Jack Reacher, and it does it did pretty good. It did pretty good. And it was actually a great movie. So, John did Cruise, it do well? Oh yeah. And Tom Cruise does 
night and day bomb. Yeah. Tom Cruise does Vanilla Sky bomb. No, and I think that it's not a one or the other. I think there's definitely a limit to an actor's draw. Like, it can't overcompensate for a completely terrible film. Mm -hmm. It can't make all the way up for it. It may draw interest that that movie never would have had before, Mm -hmm. and it may do better than it would have without them. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I, I don't think that you can completely separate the film quality or the story quality or directing quality with that big name draw. So you're right. You're not going to be able to completely quantify it. But I think that when we talk about an ensemble cast, one like maybe this is some of the new norm An ensemble cast like these, that makes me want to go see these films. Mm -hmm. It's not any one person necessarily. I just seeing them all on screen together. Yeah. Yes, absolutely. And some of the people that I love, can I be honest with you? I think that that's true for you. That would be true for me. That would be true for a lot of true yeah, film cinephiles. Fans. But I think yeah. the majority of money that a movie makes is not from people like us. It's from yeah. mainstream, just regular people that you know want to go to see a flick because they're you know got nothing to do on a Saturday or they like movies, but they're not obsessively going to I don't know have podcasts dedicated to them. For instance, it's people who go to see Hangover Three. Yeah, or or Grown Ups Two, and they grown don't. Ups. And you can judge them. They don't give a rat's ass. They want to see. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. They don't care. So, <laughs> and, and, I'm not, and I'm not even saying that in a judgmental way. It's I actually, yeah. there are times I think I envy that. Uh, <laughs> just, you don't give a crap. So, <laughs> they they really don't care. And I don't think they'll see the Monuments Men. There'll be something like, oh, George Clooney, he's so hot. I'm going to see it because of him. There'll be those, you know, the George Clooney fan club and people like that. But even they will not make it a huge hit. It would be a huge hit because people think the idea is interesting and good. Yeah. The The movie sounds like it would be fun and exciting and it catches a certain, um, you know, zeitgeist, a certain uh, quality so, in the culture where people really want to see that. Then it becomes a huge hit. So what was that, that the Ben Affleck film that just uh, did um, Argo? Was last year? Huh? You talking about Argo? Argo. Yeah. That's a good example of that. You think? Because the idea of it. Yes. I, what well, I think it helped it too, because once it got nominated, for best picture yeah because i think it had been doing okay leading up to that but then it became the dark horse yeah to you know, beat out lincoln and, and all these other pictures i think that that helped it go but yeah because argo i mean there was actually quite a few best pictures last year that did well lincoln did pretty good financially yeah. zero That's- dark did okay uh you know argo did really well uh, there was you know there was a few that did pretty good i really wish they would stop having nine or whatever it is nominees i think that's ridiculous and that's way too many if you know have it be five five was good yeah. i don't know why they I changed agree. it i don't i don't know maybe it was just to appease some people well, but it was, yeah it was to get more butts and seats i get that yeah. and i take it back jack reacher according to box office mojo mm-hmm. i love that site it made 80 million domestic now it costs yeah. it costs 60 million so, so it made its money back well yeah minus the no, but worldwide, but see, right, here's the key. Yeah. Worldwide, 216.5. Wow. Yeah. Wow. So it wasn't a huge hit. Yeah. But it wasn't a bomb either. No, I got it. But by Tom Cruise st- standards, I would say that was not a huge success. Well, it, wasn't a, it wasn't a Mission Impossible. I, yeah, I dare say they probably wasn't any one of the Mission Impossible movies that did as little as 80 million. I also think it was a, it was a horrible title. I get that that's the character's name. Yeah, but it's. I yeah. I always find that you know maybe just a Reacher, 
<laughs> you know, but right, right. you know, or but reacher or reacher round, re- right. reacher and then space round, reacher <laughs> round. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, uh, something like that would have been more enticing. Yeah, yeah. To the public. <laughs> eh. <laughs> oh man! Oh, that's good stuff right there, buddy. So, um, so would, you, would you like to? I don't know. Hit a little uh, C and D theater. Yes, please. Oh, I know, because I know you've been waiting for this one. <laughs> you ready? All day long, my friend. <laughs> Welcome to Sandy Theater with Jason DeGrooms and Joe Robinson. On auction. Yeah, nine performances. Nine. That's all I had. And with the draw. I know. I know. It's outrageous. Still, if the public doesn't like one's work, one has to accept the fact gracefully. Children. What is it that Well, Mr. Hat, I can speak for the Emperor. You make too many demands on the royal ear. The poor man can't concentrate for more than an hour. You gave him four. What did you think of it yourself? Oh, yes. Did you like it? I thought it was marvelous. Of course. It's the best opera yet. I know it. I know it. Why didn't they come? Well, Mr. Hat, I think you overestimate our dear Viennese, my friend. You know, you didn't even give them a good... Bang at the end of songs to let them know when to clap. I know, I know. Are you talking I don't even know what the hell that was. Insane! Bloody brilliant that was! Well, he told you it was bloody brilliant. <laughs> I am still not sure what the hell movie that was. I know what movie it was. Was my, I remember. Was my guess correct? Yes, it was. Uh, okay. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Yeah. Those of you that. Good luck with that. <laughs> yeah. So, if you think you know the answer to what that was, what movie that came from, those lines, uh, we'll we'll say there might have been some slight improvisation. Maybe a little. Just a hint. Just a tiny bit. Because the only <laughs> way I could keep my very lame Mr. Garrison was to go, Mr. Hat. <laughs> Children. Yeah. At the end. <laughs> Children. <laughs> and, and I love emphasizing the give them a bang. <laughs> Get it. <laughs> so, yes, that was that was bloody brilliant. That was br- bloody brilliant. And um, now I'm going to um, have you spontaneously give them information. Oh, yeah. Ready? <gasps> For more off script action, go to offscriptpodcast.com. Join our Facebook group or follow us on Twitter at, at OffscriptCast. More importantly, don't forget to check us out on iTunes and leave us a review. The more reviews we get, the higher we rate. The higher we rate, the more listeners we get. The more listeners we get, the more reviews we'll get. It's a vicious cycle. If you have any questions or comments, keep them to your damn self. If you have a guest for the CND Theater or suggestion for the ADD Top 10, email us. That is all. And so, uh, Jason, do you have anything else, any wonderful insights? Mysteries of the universe you'd like solved, you know, before we go. Uh, no, um, just make sure if you're going to watch Barbarian Queen, you do it after the kids go to bed. I'm just saying.